Did you did you know what freaking was by when you read that question? I absolutely did not. And do you think you need to have a safe word? Uh, yes, always. Hell yes, hell yes, and hell yes. <laughs> right. That's right, but only consensually, right, Tanya? <laughs> That's a very cheerful Monday morning greeting there, Maya. <laughs> Good to be in. We are on Let's Talk About Sex, a fortnightly sexual health, pleasure and wellness uh, segment with pleasure therapist and activist Tanya Coons. Morning, Tanya. Morning, Maya. How are we doing today? Good, good. It's, you know, we're taking in the sun. Well, oh, we have it. Oh, I know. It's a kind of freak event, isn't mm. it, for Sydney? It is. <laughs> now, uh, about a fortnight ago, we were talking about impact play, and today's show is a bit of a continuation on that topic. So before we dive into service, yes. we had an unfinished question <laughs> come through, um, which was to combine spanking and figging, and I really want to hear your take on what figging is. Yeah. Did you did you know what figging was, Maya, when you read that question? I absolutely Amber? did not. I love our producer, Amber, who was very diligent in her research. Um, figging is when you take a piece of ginger and you peel it and you fashion it into a little plug and you insert it into the anus, right? So it's designed to give you a, a warm feeling or maybe burning if you're mean to your submissive. Um, so basically it's about... Putting, setting your butt on fire from a number of angles, both internally and externally from the spanking or the impact. I think it's a very generous thing to do to your submissive if you're dominantly inclined. Absolutely. And we also talked about how king play involves scenes, which kind of stems into what we're going to talk about over uh, the show today on service. Yeah. Before we dive in, can we recap quickly a bit more about what scenes are and what they involve? Yeah. Oh, pardon me. That's a super good question, actually, and an important reminder. When folks are engaging in kink activities, it's called play. Uh, and when you're playing, you put planning and consent into the picture, right? So you're going to, and, and you, basically you're negotiating a scene. So kink is not something that people do 24-7. It's um, a set period of time, a certain agreed number of activities uh, with a set number of people playing whatever roles. So um, a scene can involve something like role play or costumes or identities. It can be impact play. It can be rope play. There could be a power exchange. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today with the domination and submission. There could be bondage and discipline. There could be medical play with needles, blades, blood, sounds. There could be sexual activities. There may not. And there may be service and protocol, which is something that we're doing now. Mm, and so we come now to service play. What is it? What is it? Okay. Yeah, I love service because I think it's an expression of love and care, right? And when you use it as play, it can be a heightening of that expression between partners. So it's one person putting themselves into the service of another. And the ways that they can do that are absolutely endless. It's up to the people playing involved, the people involved in the scene to negotiate how and what will work between them. So it is a form of domination and submission. And being dominant means that you are going to project your choices onto others with consent. 
And being submissive means that you want to submit to other people's choices with consent, right? So the role of the service bottom is to meet or anticipate the needs of the person that they're in service to. So, so this can be done initially by negotiation, like what are you up for? What do you want to do? Um, let's do this in the kitchen. Let's do this somewhere else. Let's do this at a party. Uh, and then you can use rules and protocols. So this is how I want you to serve me. Um, the reward is generally the service itself, right? Getting it right, pleasing your dominant or pleasing the person that you're serving. I think a lot of folks think that service is performing tasks to earn sex. It is not that. Right, And uh, I've seen a lot of people come undone when they think that, when they're approaching dominant people, saying, I want to be your slave because, you know, they think they're going to get rewards. And it's like, no, not it at all. So the service itself is generally gener generally, the reward for the service submissive. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's somebody who really gets off on doing stuff and getting it right. Very good for those of us with the OCD brain mm. uh, to get things done in a particular way, meticulously, and then hope to get some sort of acknowledgement or praise from the person that you're doing that for. But key point, it's negotiated beforehand. Yep, totally. It's not something you just go, well, hi, you know, if I whizzed into the studio today and said, I think I'm going to be of service to you, Maya, and started doing all of these things for you, you might be like, what the hell is going on here? I don't even drink tea and I don't want my shoes polished and I really don't want you to stand behind me at that strange angle, right? Mm. Something that is maybe like unconsciously obvious to people in hearing what the definition was is that you might not realise that you're actually already performing acts of service in your relationship in whatever form or shape that is for your relationship. Like it feels almost like a pretty normal part of one, right? Um, yes. <laughs> I'm not so sure because there's a lot of formality around service. And also service doesn't necessarily have to be with a romantic or sexual partner. It can be with anybody that you want to do that with. Mm. So you might want to do it with your best friend. Say, do you know what? I really want to dote on you for about an hour. Um, how can I do that? What would that look like? So there's a beginning of how you would start that. But but what service play is, it's it's definitely negotiated that's the important part of it it's it's time limited and there are boundaries so it could be something like serving your dominant and their friends a meal it could look like looking after the dominant at a party it could be maybe traveling with somebody and making sure that all their travel arrangements are sorted and they're really well looked after and spoiled it could be an afternoon of domestic duties i know um one of the star Wars of the sydney kink uh, community used to be in service to a number of people for cleaning their houses for years and years and years and just really got off on doing that exactly right to their prescribed specifications um, and it could simply be just following instructions of a dominant so kneel this way stand in that position get up lie down make me tea fetch me this that sort of thing but it's definitely agreed and and if you're going to use services play it's a really good idea to find a mechanism that allows you both to know that you are in play for mm. example putting a collar on someone or a specific outfit or a piece of jewelry something that indicates right we're now doing this this is not us in real life going oh come on right it's a literal this is where we're at like an on and off switch yeah and i think um protocols uh that, that's what we don't have in everyday life. So you might do an active service like, oh, let me make you a cup of tea or give you a foot rub, something like that. That's really beautiful. Mm. Um, but protocols, they are 
um, specific ways of behaving, right? So they actually take away the choice of the submissive. So the submissive person can get a little vacation for their busy mind. Um, and whatever you're going to ask your submissive has to be important to you, right? So uh, where your submissive stands, like maybe near enough to hear your voice. You can use some hand signals like up, down, kneel, do this, get that. Um, so some examples of protocol are don't chat to me when you're, don't chat to other people when you're on a service mission, just me only. Um, you can make me a cup of tea. I want you to use this tea, that pot, this cup. I want you to present it in me in a certain way. Stand two feet back, look me in the eye, drop your head down. Mm. Right? Very, very prescriptive. Um, or performing domestic chores in specific ways. So the protocol sort of creates a container for the person doing the service to to want to get it right and to want to do it well. Mm. Now, you've mentioned terms like the dominant and the submissive. Are the main roles in service that kind of dichotomy of a like master and slave or are there other roles that people can have? Uh, so master and slave is one form that service can take, but there are many. Um, sometimes it can simply be agreeing to play for a little while. Uh, but there is usually uh, one person who's going to um, put their will onto another. Um, it could be you, um, you're training a service submissive into the things that a dominant likes. So you might be setting up for a master-slave relationship. Um, and I'd like to say, you know, a lot of people think, hey, this is really fun. Let's do master and slave 24-7. Very few people can pull that off. Yeah. Very few. The time-limiting stuff of that makes it, much more exciting, much more heady, and a lot safer, mm. right? So, and a service submission, a submissive is only agreeing to service. They're not agreeing to punishment or any other activities. They are volunteering to do as their dominant bids for an agreed period of time. So that can be at home, it can be out in public, whatever is negotiated. But that's very important to understand. Mm. And is that master-slave type of role also linked to, like... Again, that dom the dominant and submissive or a top and bottom sort of role? Um, yeah, they can all sort of merge together. But sort of as I, I mentioned before, if you're dominant, you are projecting your choices onto other people with consent. Uh, submissive means you want to submit to other people's choices. A top is the person doing the doing, mm. so not necessarily a dominant because you can top from the bottom. Um, a bottom is the person who's receiving the doing. So top would be the person giving a spanking. A bottom would be the person receiving. I think a master-slave is, uh, is more than a top or a bottom. That kind of falls into domination and submission because there's an exchange of power. If you're forcing someone to do your choices or projecting your choices onto someone, that's definitely a power play, and that's where you get more right. into the domination and submission side of things, if that makes sense. We've been unpacking... Uh, what a master and slave role looks like, all to do and tied with service play, the idea of negotiating an act in return for like a a piece of praise, I guess. Possibly, or just simply the thrill of getting it right. Yes. Now, um, I want to ask you, Tanya, do you think people have these roles just during sex or would they incorporate it into everyday life? Like, are there people who do one or the other, both? What do you think? Huh. So I like this question because where did we mention sex? We haven't really mentioned it yet. 
So I, I spoke a little bit earlier saying it's really important to understand that the act of service is, is the reward. It's not rewarded with sex unless that's negotiated. It could be. Some people do that. But as I mentioned, I've seen many a rookie slave person expect this and not understand when they're approaching someone that they would like to submit to uh, and they don't understand why the dominant will walk away and not be interested in service in that way. It is not a trading of favours for sex. If you want to put that into your agreements and your bargains, you can. But um, yes, if you're a very keen um, submissive or slave type person, be wary because I don't think that this is the expectation and it's not de rigueur. No. Mm. Now, it seems, I think, pretty obvious or clear what a master might get out of service play, whether it's a sense of power or authority or they just like to be in control of a situation. But I'm really curious to know what you think it is that people who are performing the service or service orientated people might get out it might get out of it really and read that receiving praise is quite big in this department as well as potentially seeking out punishment um, not necessarily punishment that's not part of the deal and that that, that comes more under a, a, a broader domination and submission thing it's definitely about getting it right um, so they'll they will enjoy the actual act of service they like doing things for people um, a lot of service bottoms uh, often have very, very busy brains. So the simple act of focusing on the service they're providing can quieten their brain down. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of activities where people are submissive in the kink or BDSM world uh, gives people a chance to slow their brains down to the present moment, to what they're actually doing, whether it's receiving a beating or being tied up or performing service acts. So they get a chance to turn off the of everyday anxious thinking uh, and that's very appealing for a lot of people um, and they can they get the, the luxury of following specific instructions without having to work things out or make decisions which for a lot of people is delicious because they're sick and tired of having to make big decisions mm. and they can feel cared for by their dominant they might have a praise kink so they might like being told that they're a good girl or a good boy or a good human you know, or well done, you know, that sort of thing. So they get a sense of validation. And for some folks, it's sexually arousing as well, right? So the type of benefit is really going to depend on the humans undertaking the service. Uh, yeah, so it's it's really important to understand that service is not a punishment. It needs to be rewarding. So the, the ability to get it right, the dominant um, mustn't set tasks that the service person can't can't conduct because that's a little unfair and they're right. not, you know, not going to get their needs met. So this is where the negotiation is really important. And do you think you need to have a safe word? Uh, yes, always. Hell yes, hell yes and hell yes. <laughs> right. Um, like any play, people can have enough and they can have their boundaries pushed um, and that can actually be part of the service to push people's boundaries, like how much service can you give me? Mm -hmm. uh, that can be the dominant being cheeky or exerting their force. Um, sometimes people aren't in the mood. So it's really important to be able to tap out because that will create safety and that's paramount. Right? And, and also in service, you can use a safe word to debrief or to bring up concerns. Like you could call a safe word and go, excuse me, I'm worried about getting this wrong or, you know, I, I need to just talk about what ha just happened there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alrighty, on 0409-945-945, we've got a question with uh, what is the emancipatory potential in service? Tanya, we need some more info, right? We need a little bit more info, but I just had to think about that. So 
just say, for example, your job is very high powered and you need to make lots of um, decisions. It might be nice to be the service person in that without mm. having to think and make decisions. Uh, there might be a role reversal in the relationship, you know, so one person might be more domestically oriented in the relationship so they can become the dominant and get their partner to perform acts of domestic service. So there's a whole bunch of ways that you can poke at and free up your relationships. That's what I like about this. It's really mm. thought-provoking and it's um, a kink for the brain as well as the body and the doing. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh we ha- I'm going to zoom through some tips for service play, but I wanted to ask, how do you negotiate the roles before you start? Uh, good question. Uh, definitely discuss the limits. What are the limits? What am I prepared to do? What am I not prepared to do? It might be like, I'm happy to clean your house, but I don't do toilets. Boom, mm. right? There's a limit. Um, the time for play. How long are we doing this? Uh, what is the dominant interested in? You need to be setting tasks that are something that you want, not something that you're not interested in. Uh, You need to talk about safety, that's physical and emotional, how the communication will be, what happens if the service is not up to scratch. And I also think you need time for debrief and aftercare. So always, uh, with any sort of kink play, it's like, how was that for you? Are you okay? What does it feel like? How are you in your body? And then checking in later, because sometimes um, giving over your power to somebody or exerting your power over someone can really trigger things deep inside. So Mm. a check-in or a debrief can be with the person you've played with or with somebody else, really important. So you would recommend reassessing any boundaries, communicating, checking in often? Yep. I say check in often regularly. And and I think especially with service, it's something that grows between the folk that are engaging. So it can... The more people play together and the more people do it, the more intuitive the service submissive can become. It's really quite cool. And what are your recommendations for service play? Things anyone listening needs to know. Okay, so you are, so just as we were talking about the debrief set, you want to make sure the submissive person is street ready after being in service play because it can be heady stuff. They can be as high as a kite, especially if they've been doing things and getting it right and getting praised. Mm. Uh, so debrief, never play angry, that's dangerous. Um, only do training in public for a very short amount of time because it's tiring. Uh, the best way to dominate a person is to demand things that they wouldn't normally do. Uh, so you can be cheeky and as a dominant never do something you don't like because uh, never get something done for you that you won't like because it's not a reward for you Um, only do what you're really excited about because that will keep you authentic Mm. uh, if you're the service person and as the dominant make the service about something that you can do yourself right not not a big favor that you couldn't do because you can withdraw that service and do it yourself so the withdrawal is kind of like the pun. It's not a punishment, but it kind of is. It's like, no, I'm sorry, you're not getting it. Kind of like edging or something. Yeah, well, it's like, no, nah, not good enough. <laughs> or, and the service person might be like, oh, no, but wait. It's like, no, nah, we're done. We're not doing it. Mm. That is the punishment because the service is a reward itself, right? Um, so don't argue. Uh, you can't top a dominant from the bottom, right, because the dominant's going to disengage. So if it's like, I'm sorry, all bits are off, there's no being cheeky, no being bratty, no nothing. It's like, oh, my God, the game's over. Mm. We haven't gone well. So it's a very good way of asserting your dominance. Um, Yeah, because those who are into service want to get it right. So withdrawing lets them know they failed and that's going to be important to them. So the next time you play, 
watch and see what happens. There you go. That brings us to the end of Let's Talk About Sex today. Thanks for coming in, Tanya. Um, A pleasure to be of service. (laughs) (laughs) You've been waiting for that one, haven't you? (laughs) 